Good evening, Victory Christian Center. It is so good to have you here with us, joining us here online. We are going to continue doing Wednesday nights right here, live streaming from our Facebook page, and we'd love to have you to continue to join us. Make sure you're liking, commenting, connecting with each other in the comments. It's a great way to still be able to fellowship together. We do have a few quick announcements for you tonight. Besides the Wednesday nights, we are back open here in the sanctuary for service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you plan to attend, please give us a call here in the church offices, 447-7777, preferably by tomorrow at noon to make sure you get your reservations in for the hottest seat in town. If you're not ready to come join us here at the church, no problem. We will still be live streaming our services on our Facebook page Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we'd love to have you join us either physically or online. Either way, it's great to have you with us. And we will be having our second Facebook Live for our Victory Kids services. That's tomorrow, Thursday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. So make sure that you plan to join us there as well. We are going to be having communion here in just a little bit. So if you're not prepared, hurry, run, and grab something to represent the blood and the body. You don't have to have anything special, just something to represent those. God will honor the heart behind it. I will not tell you the things Pastor Bill suggested I suggest to you because I will be in big trouble. (laughs) All right, well, that's all I have for you tonight. But I do want to remind you really quick that if you would like to continue to sow into the ministry here at Victory Christian Center, there are still three options for you to do that. You can send it in the snail mail, P.O. Box 5177-47903. Or you can give online at victorylafayette.org backslash donate. Or you can always text to give. And Heather will be putting that information in the comments. All right. Well, I will warn you, Pastor Bill's been very ornery. So you might be in for a treat tonight. I don't know if that's what Pastor Pam's going to call it, but come on up. Hey, welcome, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Morgan. Always an exciting opening to the service. And thank all of you for watching us. And I'm going to encourage you, too. We love to get your comments. Uh, especially the stuff about Pam. So if you want to make any comments online there or direct, you can do that. But we're glad you're watching us tonight. We're always always good to come into your home. Looking forward to doing it in person again. We did it last Sunday. We're looking forward to getting back. We've had enough of this lockdown stuff. It's time to get on with living life. And uh, But anyway, you look beautiful tonight. And uh, are you all ready tonight? Yes. You know, I wasn't paying attention to Morgan's uh, announcements. Did she cover Sunday night? Uh, because I, I didn't, I wasn't listening. Um, no, not the Pentecost. Yes, sun, Sunday, that's correct, right? Uh-huh. Uh, May 31st. Yeah, here, the, yes. uh, live. Uh-huh. You want to tell them? Cause oh, yes, we're going to do a worship service. It'll just be worship. Uh, we're going to start at 6 o'clock on May 31st. That's Pentecost Sunday. We're just going to worship the Lord. And uh, I believe that we're headed into uh, a shift in uh, the, ki- the kingdom of God. We're going to see things maybe we've never seen before. Yeah. And we're going to come out of this situation the same way we went in with victory while we were in it, victory. But I believe it's going to be a very exciting time as we move forward. And I believe that my husband preached, we shared together actually on Sunday, but the word was on passion. And I believe a lot of people, their passion has um, been squelched or at least diminished since we've been going through this time. And we're going to stir up the gift that's in us. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. And we invite you to join us. We will be live on Facebook 
And then in the sanctuary, you'll need to call for those reservations if you uh, desire to do that. And you can let us know that Thursday uh, before that Sunday. <clears throat> I think it's cool to say you have to have a reservation to come to church. <laughs> it just, just sounds... In, you, know, you know, my passion, my number one passion... Uh, we're going to talk about it later, that supernatural passion you talked about. My, my number one passion is really to serve God and do everything and be everything that he's called me to be. Yes. Amen. You know what my second passion? No. You. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. What do you think? Okay. Shut up. I tell you, this man. Ooh, go ahead. <laughs> no. <laughs> go ahead. Expand, expand. Okay, you're my passion too. Expand after the Lord. It. Yeah. Things you, the Lord has for me. Do you have any, anything I could tell him like a... Something that's secret that you wouldn't want anybody to know. No. Nothing at all. <laughs> Not tonight. Well, tonight <clears throat> we're going to start with communion. We have a message for you here in just a moment, but communion is part of every message. And that is the most one of the most important things we ever do to really commune with the Lord and thank Him for what He's given us, yes. the blood of the Lamb. And sometimes when I stop and think about it, I like to be funny and I like to be silly and all those kind of things. Uh, but sometimes when I think about where God has brought us from or, yes, or personal, where, are. where he's brought me from to where I am today to where he's going to take me tomorrow, uh, I stand in humble admiration of what God has done, uh, really, because nobody knows me better in my past than me and God. And uh, I stand in amazement of his goodness and of his love for us. So I look forward to taking communion. Uh, and they, they can get whatever they want to drink. <laughs> oh, that's quite a license for some of you out there because I, I, I specifically took my spectrometers off so I won't see what you're partaking communion with. Well, I just uh, felt to do communion when we're in services or have been in the past. We always did communion on the third Wednesday and... Um, yeah. I believe it's important that we keep doing the things that we know to do. The Bible says that we're to continue in the things that we've learned. And a communion is a big part of our relationship with Jesus. Because if you look in the book of Luke, it's chapter 22. Uh, this is when the hour had come, verse 14. He sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, even though he knew he was going to the cross, he wanted to have this time with them and especially to give thanks, but also to let them know exactly what he was doing. And later it says, do this in remembrance of me. So he goes on and says, uh, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, which would have been his resurrection. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. He, there was a purpose in that night to take that communion. And I just want to share just a little bit. This is from uh, Faith to Faith uh, by Gloria and Kenneth Copeland. I've used this uh, daily devotional for years. In fact, this one is one I gave to the congregation in 2007. I gave everybody on my birthday 
this devotional because I felt like it was such a good word for people on a daily basis. And sometimes we don't think about all that God has done through for us through the blood of Jesus. But uh, today, actually, it's May 20th, my daily devotion. It says, free from the curse. You know, there is a curse. Uh, and there's blessing. There's blessing and cursing. God told the children of Israel that, the second generation in Deuteronomy. He said, uh, I set before you today blessing and cursing. Choose blessing. Well, everything, everything in the covenant that we have through Jesus' blood is blessing. There's no curse. And I want to show you this very simply because I feel like a lot of people, and most of you that are watching probably already know this, but a lot of people in the world today have no idea that COVID is a curse. It's not, God isn't cursing people. God is blessing people. And so this is, I I just want to read a little bit of what uh, Kenneth Copeland wrote. It says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is the old covenant, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. You know, there's the Abrahamic covenant, which was a covenant of only blessing. And then they added the law to it, which is we get the Ten Commandments. And then that was to let people know their need for God. Not that the Ten Commandments could save them, but that they would know they had a need for God. It goes on and says, you know the story. Satan came to Adam's wife in the form of a serpent and deceived her into disobeying God. Adam, although he was not deceived, followed suit. When Satan came into the garden... There is a devil, there is an accuser of the brethren, there is a destroyer, an adversary, and he is Satan. And it says he came into the garden that day, and he didn't have any power at all. He had zero power that day. He had to come in like a sneak, even not even talking to Adam directly, but talking to his wife. Adam is the one that God told directly, do not eat from the tree of good and evil. And now Adam was standing there, and he should have kicked him out right then, but he didn't. Instead, he set aside the command that God had given him and did what Satan told him to do instead. And when he did that, when he did that, he made Satan his Lord. You know, we wonder how Satan gets control of situations and circumstances. Why do bad things happen? And then we try to figure out why God did it. If you read the Old Covenant, you'll read a lot of things that say God did this, God did this. But in the New Covenant, we just read it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so it says, in bowing his knee to Satan, Adam gave Satan the authority that God had given man. You know, we can give away our authority even today as believers if we open the door and let the devil take over a situation. It goes on to say in Romans 5, 12, that through one man's trespass, that was Adam, death passed to all men. The earth and everything in it was suddenly cursed. That's why Jesus went to Calvary, so that the curse could be stopped. Through the blood, through this blood and the bread that we're going to take tonight, that curse has been stopped. So in Jesus, through Christ, he has set us free from the curse. The moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you were delivered from the lordship of Satan. You weren't delivered from uh, him going around trying to still steal, kill, and destroy, but you were delivered from his lordship. That means he had no right to 
control you, to cause you to do things that you know you shouldn't do. The devil is defeated. And it goes on and it says in Deuteronomy 6, when Jesus brought, or when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, it says he brought them out to bring them in. God brought you out of captivity. He brought me out of captivity of the enemy to bring us in to a promised land. And in the old covenant, you read about the promised land. But for us today, it's a land flowing with milk and honey where every need is met. What does that mean? Well, it's a place where you can keep sin underfoot as you rule and reign with Christ. It's a place where no weapon, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's a place where you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and far above oppression. You may say, well, that sounds nice in theory, but I'm dealing with reality here. I think what, that's what a lot of people are saying. Well, that sounds nice, but we're dealing with COVID. Well, COVID is under the curse. Read Deuteronomy 28. You will see blessing and cursing. And sickness, disease, poverty, lack, uh, torment, everything, doubt, unbelief, all those things, they're under the curse. But I just read you, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for as written, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. If you read uh, Galatians 3.13, and I want to read it to you, and then we're going to take communion. And I read it from here tonight because I think it's so quickly explained why we deal with evil, why we deal with death and destruction. Why do we deal with that? Because of Adam's choice in the garden to not throw the devil out. Why do you deal with things? Because we have a choice. In Brother Copeland's book right here, he says, you may say, yes, that sounds nice. Well, he says, are you still letting the devil live in your house? Kick him out. We have authority. We have dominion over the enemy. And it goes on in Galatians 3. After it says he's redeemed us from the curse, it says that the blessing, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That would be anyone who's not born a Jew in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of being in communication with God, in relationship again with the Lord, just like Adam and Eve were, until they sold out. They sold out to the Lordship of the devil. We, because of Jesus, because of just saying, I choose to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, I choose to, to be who he called me to be. I ask for forgiveness from my sins, things that I've done, whether with knowledge or not knowledge. I ask forgiveness through this blood, through this bread. Life has been given to us, the same life that Adam and Eve experienced before they made that wrong choice. I, I pray today that if you're watching, especially if you're watching on YouTube maybe and you see this later, that if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then I would say to you tonight, there's only two, two ways to live, with the devil being in charge or the Lord being in charge. The lordship of Jesus Christ will take you to places of peace and joy and rest and all the things you're seeking. The lordship of the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. The thief, the enemy, Satan, the adversary, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. That's what we have in this promised land. Uh, the devil has no dominion over a believer. He's unarmed. He was defeated at Calvary. It, it talks about it in Colossians. And so as we take communion tonight, 
um, we need to be aware that all the enemy can do is the same thing that he did in the garden. He, he tried to make Eve believe that what God said was not true. And that's where a lot of believers are today. They don't know what's true. If you'll get in the word of God, he will make it true to you. But communion is a place of faith. We eat the bread and we drink the cup, believing, believing that Jesus Christ made the difference for us of deliverance from the lordship of Satan into a kingdom of light with our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for anybody who's watching who doesn't know Jesus. You Maybe you've, you know who he is. You've even heard about it. You may have even gone to church. But you have never said, Lord, thank you. Father, thank you that you made Jesus the Lord for anyone who would choose him, no matter what state they're in today. Lord, I thank you, those that are watching, no matter what state they're in tonight, that if they will just reach out and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. We're going to pray, and I'm going to pray uh, first. And, and if this is your heart, you pray after me. It says in Romans that when we, when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus, as Lord, he will become the Lord of your life. So let's pray together. Father, Father forgive, me forgive me for my sins. For my sins. I, I accept you, Jesus. As my, Lord. as my Lord. It's my choice. I choose blessing, I choose blessing. and that's with you. Help me in my life to make right choices. Teach me your ways. I want to live my life to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the bread, and the bread is um, really just a symbol of all that was always given to us at Calvary, uh, health, wholeness, uh, soundness of mind. You may be fighting right now against heal, against uh, forces of sickness and disease. Healing has already been bought for you. And as we take this bread, I'm believing that anything that's coming against your body, coming against your mind, yeah. mental torment, that's sickness. Yeah. And, and Jesus paid the price for that by the stripes on his back. Yeah. So let's eat together and believe for wholeness, yeah. health, wholeness in every area of our body. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. Amen. And this cup, <clears throat> Jesus said it in Luke, this cup, when we drink this, is representative of, of actually a seal that shows that we are children of the Most High God. We have a Father. In Romans it says we call him Abba Father, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There's nothing that was lacking for Jesus, and there's nothing lacking for you. In this covenant, you have everything you have need of. And I pray as we drink this that you will uh, have a revelation, uh, more than that, a desire to find out the revelation of what you have in Jesus Christ because you have freedom. You have every single thing you need. Drinking this cup says, greater is he that is in me mm. than he that is in the world. COVID is no match for the blood of Jesus, and neither is fear or doubt or unbelief or even wrongdoing. Yeah. Nothing can stand. No work of the enemy. He is powerless because of this, because of this 
representing the blood of Jesus. This grape juice won't help you a bit. Whatever you're drinking, that won't help you a bit. But what it represents will deliver you from evil. Let's drink. Father, I thank you tonight that you you have brought us into your kingdom. It says you translated us. You moved us from one position to another. And in that position, we are seated forever at the right hand of the living God. Next to Jesus in a place of power and authority, with a destiny and a purpose. And I pray that everyone tonight, as they've taken communion, has been reminded, just like you said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me, of what I did for you, what God did for you. And we thank you. We give you praise. We honor you above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a great word, honey. That's an awesome word, an awesome communion service. Uh, you know, what you just shared with the people, if you, if you just get a revelation, you know how you can hear something, and it doesn't become a revelation within you, that we actually have the victory, and that the victory is ours to walk out every moment of every day, and that that devil is defeated. Powers and principalities have been disarmed. And we have the victory. Amen. 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 Well, the word of the Lord tonight is really uh, surviving uh, the, the wilderness. And uh, we shared Sunday on, on your passion and uh, pursuing your passion. You had a word during that. And by the way, if you, did not, if you were not with us Sunday, I encourage you to listen to that message. Because I believe everyone has a supernatural passion that God has put in you to fulfill during your time on this earth. And whether you run the race to the fullness that God has for you or not is going to be dependent a great deal to your submission to Him to show you where to go. But you had a word during the service, and it was about the supernatural realm. Honey, you want to share that? It Really, uh, after I said it, I thought, I hope somebody wrote that down because I, I knew it wasn't me saying it. Uh, but it was uh, super, your supernatural supernatural passion cannot be fulfilled looking at natural circumstances. They, they don't go together. You have to yeah. see it the way God sees it. Yeah. Supernatural passion always yeah. is going to require you to run, if you will, with another group of people, people who walk by faith and not by sight, people who speak the word and not what they see. And uh, sometimes we have to do that by ourselves yep. because it's a, a passion that God's put in us that nobody else can see. But God knows. And we cannot fulfill it. We cannot even begin to walk it out when we are looking at natural circumstances. The supernatural and the natural do not flow together in, in our walk with God because the natural is temporary. The supernatural is eternal. Yeah. And that's a great word for you to take and just realize that because God is supernatural and everything that he shows us is birthed out of the supernatural. He'll bring it to pass on the supernatural. And the minute we try to figure it out, that's when we get in trouble. I believe that's why Proverbs 3 is so strong of a scripture that says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our steps. And when we're following the direction of His steps, then we're going to go where He says to go, when He says to go, and accomplish what He says to do, and that He'll take care of everything. And in the world today, 
all sorts of things going on with the COVID-19. And today the uh, um, uh, CDC uh, here in the United States said that now it appears that the constant wiping down of the countertops, that yes, it's important, but that the, it really isn't transmitted like they thought it was originally. And uh, I'm amazed, uh, like Pam said at communion, we serve a God who's given us the victory. And uh, and, and I was thinking that, uh, okay, now the CDC is saying something different. We have a lot of initials out there. Uh, the WHO, uh, the public relations firm for the CCP, uh, is saying what we should or shouldn't do or could do or couldn't do. And then you have the WHO changing their mind. We have initials that we can follow constantly. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. And it's the Word of God in every situation. I was roaming through Ramsey's today. It's a local emporium here. I love that place. It's so cool. And uh, I, did you see what I found? It's in the kitchen. It, yes. What is it? Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. I, I love it. It's a, if you like Gladiator, then you'll like this. It shows a, what would appear to be a, 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 a person of God who's knocked down, the shield is skewed, and he's laying down, and the enemy is standing over him with a great big sword or machete getting ready to chop him in half. And right on the front of it, it says, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And when I saw that on the shelf, I knew you would want me to have it. Yes, Only $25, yes. probably worth 1000 but oh, I got it for $25. It's a, a masterpiece. Only 100,000 of them were made. And uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, what, what came to me is that, that when I saw that, is that, it's like with your natural eyes, you can see a sword coming down and chop you in half. But with your spiritual eyes, you can say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4 and start there tonight because we're going to be talking about the experiences that God gives us in taking us to the wilderness. And we're going to talk about Jesus because he is our example for everything. And when you read the Bible, you should read everything, New Covenant, Old Covenant, everything about Jesus, everything about the Old Covenant and people that you're drawn to in that. Uh, but this year, you've got the program out for the New Covenant. And, and uh, really, if we read everything that Jesus said, we're going to have our faith built strong. And that's why we're supposed to be imitators of him. So we need to study him, read about him, and find out how did he ask. You know, the, the Old Covenant is important. I love reading the Old Covenant, all the stories where God delivered his children. Because in most instances, it was not what they did. It's what God did that delivered them. And uh, so, uh, but the New Covenant is the covenant that we are in. We are in the New Covenant. Jesus secured it for us. He paid a huge price for it. And so I felt this year that that was something to to ask our congregation to do. I believe a lot of people are doing it. Um, I think because we've not been really going and doing a whole lot of other things, there's been plenty of time to do that. Yep. Just one chapter a day. Uh, I think we're in, I'm in First Corinthians about chapter 11 or 12, but I'm a little bit ahead. So uh, we've already finished several books, and we will complete all the New Covenant and then uh, the book of Acts and all the Gospels. We'll go back and read one more time to complete the year. I think it's a great idea. <clears throat> the message tonight, honey, is, is surviving the wilderness. Yeah. And uh, Jesus was sent to the wilderness by God through the Holy Spirit to be tempted.
Now, the thing I, I want to share before we go any further, God does not tempt us or try to get us to do things based on using the devil. Uh, God does not do that. God does not use evil to bring forth his will. And that's where a lot of people miss it today, that the, even I've heard pastors and say that, you know, this is, this is of God to teach us a lesson or this is of God before whatever. I don't believe that. God is a good God. And like my wife said earlier, he's a good God. You study the new covenant. Uh, he, he, he doesn't come to hurt us. He doesn't come to do bad things to us. He's a good God. The reason he sent Jesus to the devil to be tested, uh, into the uh, uh, wilderness to be tested uh, of the enemy is because he wanted to make sure that Jesus was ready for what was before him. And I'm going to share that in detail in just a few moments here. But the wilderness is a place of solitude. It's a place of loneliness. It's a, pla- a desert, a waste area, a desolate, solitary area. I want to ask all of you this question as I ask my wife the same question. We've been there. Yeah, more than one time. <laughs> and sometimes when, when we get ready to, with a wilderness experience, we wonder why. Jesus was sent into the wilderness to be tested. That's what the word tempt means, to, attempted, to be tested, uh, really to make sure he was ready for what was about to happen. And he passed the test. How did he pass the test? He quoted the Word of God. He quoted the devil when he came. Man should live by every bread alone. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy every time the devil came to tempt him. No different to test him. No different than in really and truly, honey, the Garden of Eden. The devil came. He, as you said earlier, he came to tempt Adam and Eve to contradict the Word of God. And the Word of God is so true that it is the power source. And Jesus continually came against what the devils tried to get him to do. It said in verse number 1 of chapter 4 of Matthew, Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. But when the tempter came to test him, He said, if you're the Son of God, command that these stones be turned to bread. And Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Honey, that's a lifetime study. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus, in his earthly walk, quoted continually from the Old Covenant because it was being birthed forth in the New Covenant. You know, it says in um, Hebrews 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest Mm -hmm. who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted or tested as we are, yet without sin. And honey, I think that what we've got to realize is that God loves us so much and he has the blessings out there for us, but he does want to test us to make sure that he can take us to the next next level. Not to withhold good things from you, but to make sure that you're ready for where he wants us to go. 
And, and what happens a lot of times is we don't realize that this is the test that I'm going through right now. Instead, we're, we're, we're focusing upon, not that we shouldn't focus upon it, John 10.10, 10, that, you know, uh, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And you look around and say, this doesn't look like the abundant life, what I had really thought. I remember the time out in Tulsa when, when we were really struggling, and, uh, but, but doing exactly what I felt like the Lord showed us to do. And you went somewhere and got a pan of lasagna and brought it home. We were so excited to have a pan of lasagna. That was not my idea of the abundant life to have to pray in a pan of lasagna. I wasn't praying in a pan of lasagna. I was just praying in that we'd have enough money to buy food. But it's during that time that our faith was really built, honey. And the wilderness experiences, I believe, are something that God uses to test us. I was sharing this with you earlier this afternoon. In the military, uh, I, I was in the, the Marine Corps Air Wing. So in the, in the Marine Corps Air Wing, uh, most guys that were in the Marine Corps would say those were a bunch of sissies. We had nice barracks. We had all sorts of stuff going on. We weren't like the grunts that were out there all day long exercising, crawling in the mud. Uh, we were watching the beautiful airplanes fly back and forth. But, but what, what happened in the Air Wing, uh, the, the pilots would have what they called wilderness training where they would take them out and dump them in areas and they'd have to figure out how to live off of the land, uh, how to live off the uh, insects, how to do all those kind of things that you would do if you'd have to eject out somewhere over foreign land and you'd have to take care of yourself. Uh, somewhat, we saw a movie like that one time. I forget where it was, but you know, think about it in a minute. But, but they had to learn to get through that area and be tested so that they could be promoted to be what God or, or what they were called to, to be in the Marine Corps. I believe God is like that with us, honey. He's, he's constantly knowing, he knows where he's going to take us, but he's testing us along the way to see if we're ready to go to that next level. You know, I think in the testing times is where God uh, changes us. He, he, he puts an assurance in us that he's the one that can do it. Yeah. Um, at least in my life, every one of those. And on the other side of that are situations that you have to know that God can do it, that it isn't you, that it's not your ability. It's not uh, not your thinking, your smartness. Uh, it's, it's God who's going to do what he asks you to do. And I believe with Jesus, you know, that situation, he, he was saying, in other words, all the things he was tested, those three things he was saying, um, as long as you keep God in position that he's in, if, as long as you keep him as the source, as long as you keep everything about him as your source, then you're going to get the victory. You're going to overcome. And that's what God has to know about us. And I believe in the wilderness is where a lot of um, issues about character, uh, especially uh, pride, uh, arrogance, uh, I can do this. You know, humility is not about being like a worm. Humility is about recognizing how great God is and where you fit in that situation. Yeah. God needs your obedience, but he's the one that makes it all come to pass. And this was a test of Jesus' obedience. You know, is he going to be tempted to or tested in this area was what God was doing. The enemy was test tempting him. But God was testing to see if he would choose what God would have him do and not what he would maybe want to do. You know, honey, in the Word of God, 
Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. The first Adam didn't pass the test. Jesus did. And, uh, and there are two reasons why I believe we go into the wilderness. It doesn't say that specifically in the, in, in the Word of God. Number one, God sends us there. Number two, we take ourselves there. Uh, if you're going into the wilderness and the leading of God, it's going to be a great experience for it. If you're going into the wilderness leading yourself, you can still have a great experience, but it's going to be a lot harder than what it was meant to be. And uh, I think about ourselves, uh, uh, probably myself. Uh, when, when Pam and I got together, and now, now I know it's a personal story, but it relates to where you are, I know. Different situation, different circumstance, but it relates to you. But we got married, and, and uh, all I had was the, the Word of God, go to Tulsa, and you'll find the meaning of your life. God wants all of you to find the meaning for your life. Why am I here? What is the destiny that God has for me to accomplish for His glory? And, and we went to Tulsa, and for me, going to Tulsa was really like going into the wilderness. It really was. You were with me on the ride out. You saw what happened. I was a basket case all the way out, crying most of the way out. I didn't want to leave what I was leaving behind, but I knew that I felt like this is what God said. And when we got there, it, 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 I, I, it was very difficult. I believe that the wilderness is a difficult experience for us to grow in our faith that God sets before us like a child that there's a point in life when a child falls down, you pick them up. There's another point in life when you leave them there and let them raise themselves up. And if you don't, they're not going to develop the way they need to develop with their muscles. And all of you mothers, uh, fathers especially, but mothers know that. There's a point in time when you say, get up, instead of running over there and picking them up. I believe God does that so that we're ready to go to the next level because it's going to, I heard Joyce Meyer t say this one time, it isn't exactly true that there is a new, a tougher devil, but a new level New devil. New level, new devil. Every time she says that, I always think it's the same devil. But what I know, what she says, I know is true. It seems like stronger because we're going to another level, and it is. The devil will be there for us. And so what happened in my brilliance, I, I documented it in the book, but, uh, you know, I'm going to Victory Bible Institute. God is opening the door, but we're really struggling. And financially, it was, it was horrible. And I say this to some of you out there right now, that you may be struggling financially and you think you're out of the will of God. You're not out of the will of God necessarily. Uh, you may be struggling in that area of your life so that you will totally trust God. And the tithe came into play. And I believe God tested me with the tithe. And I failed the test a few times, but then I finally got it right. It isn't a question of failing the test and you're out. It's a question of if you fail the test, get it right the next time. And I finally got that part of my life right. And, but then the finances were still bad. And in my infinite wisdom, I decided to help God. And I decided to go from Victory Bible Institute and everything that God was trying to show me to withdraw from school and go to work at McDonald's. Now, you probably say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It was easy for me, but it was the dumbest thing up to that point I'd probably ever done. What I did was I took the wilderness experience and I went deeper into the wilderness. I really did. And it was really bad. It was one of the most horrible times of my life. But I, I still remember that time in the shower when God said, if you don't get back to Victory Bible Institute, you're going to miss my timing for your life. 
I remember coming out and telling you that, and you said, I had that same word, and immediately I went back. Now, I say this because sometimes in the middle of the wilderness, you'll see like a little bit of a breakthrough, and you think, everything's going to be okay. And I remember thinking, boy, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to go back to VBI. The same debt I had before was still there. The same challenges I had before were still there. But I was in the wilderness experience that God had for me. And over a period of time, God showed us and built our faith, especially my faith, because you'd walk with the Lord longer than I had, that we were going to be prepared for that next level. And I am so glad for the wilderness experience. I can actually say now, I love the wilderness experiences. You know, um, God's love for us supersedes anything yep. that he puts us in a position to have to yeah. walk out. And wilderness is not an easy place, but if we can see that God's going to use this in my life, it, there's a purpose in this situation. Now, maybe you take yourself in there. You know, the children of Israel took themselves into yep. a wilderness experience. Uh, if you get over in the territory of the enemy uh, on your own choices, uh, it can be a really difficult wilderness experience. But even there, God will be with you, I believe, to help you find a way of escape, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But it, it may take a little longer. It may be a little more difficult to get out. When God took the children of Israel because they hadn't honored the Sabbath, and they ended up in Babylon. He said, go to Babylon. Don't fight going to Babylon. If you run to Egypt, you'll die there. If you run away to try to fix this yourself, you will die. But if you go into the captivity, if you go into this wilderness that I'm going to put you in, and you're going to be there a long time, but in that place, you could still build houses. You can still... Uh, have families. You'll still be doing things. But in this place, you're going to learn what you need to learn to come back out and be greater than what you were when you went in there. And it was really their disobedience yeah. that put them in that. They they chose by their disobedience to go to the wilderness. Uh, God in his mercy. And if you read that, uh, when I first read that in the old covenant, I thought, well, you know, God really wanted to to save them, but those that would run after fixing it themselves, yep. they ended up, well, most of them ended up dead because there was nothing to protect them when they were out of the will of God. For them, the will of God was to go to the wilderness and take the, disobe- the, the, the consequences of their disobedience because God, in, even in that place of captivity, continually told them, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore. But you have to stay put right here until it's time for me to restore. And he, and he provided everything that they had need everything of they needed. in the wilderness. And he told them when, they, when he supplied the manna, he said, you can't store it. I'm going to supply it every day. I oh, believe yeah. he wanted their faith. And what did they try to do? They tried to store it. No different, as you were talking, I was thinking about that manna, uh, how they tried to store it themselves. And he said, no, no, don't store it. I'll provide it every day. The tithe, when he says, give me back the 10% on the tithe and I'll take care of everything. And we try to store it by saving it up so we'll have more money. And it's like the manna. It's like, no, it's going to rot on you. It's not going to accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish because he wants to take care of everything. And then there's something else. What was it, the the leeks and something about the vegetables? Uh, What was that? They went through through that wilderness uh, 
before they went through the other wilderness. They had a lot of wilderness experiences, yeah. but most of them were because of their decisions. And and that that one was they they started remembering the leeks and the onions and how good it was in Egypt, which they cried out to God in Egypt, and God sent a deliverer for them. Now they're crying out and saying, we'd rather go back there. They don't even remember how bad it was there. They're, they only remember what they liked. Yeah, and, and that's when you get into that uh, self-seeking mode. Uh, James 3.16, such a powerful scripture. Sometimes when I'm talking to people, sometimes or I'm listening to people, or I'm thinking about people, and, and I'll, I'll hear the way the conversation's going, I think, they're living James 3.16. You don't want to leave, live James 3.16. John 3.16 is great, but James is not. It says where there's self-seeking and envy, there will be confusion and every evil work. A lot of people have confusion today and, and evil works going on. They're not bad people, but they don't realize it. It's because they're not learning in the wilderness that they're in. And God loves us so much. I believe He just leave us there until we get it right because he doesn't want us to get hurt. Matthew chapter 16 is such a powerful scripture of surviving the wilderness experiences and going on to the next level. Because, honey, you can weigh in on this, but I believe that when God takes us to the wilderness and gives us the ability to face the devil, that then he's going to take us to the next level. But then after we've been on that next level a while, then he's going to take us to the next level but there are continual experiences in the wilderness that he'll take us through. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus basically said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you the ability to withstand anything that the devil tries to do. And I'm telling you, Matthew 16, 19, what you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenlies. What you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavenlies. He's given us the key to the authority and the power and the dominion that he wants us to walk in. Well, and that heavenlies is the heavens where there's the warfare, yep. spiritual warfare. And so the keys that he's given us, heaven doesn't have any warfare going on today. My mother and dad live there. Bill's mother and dad live there. Yep. There's no warfare there. No. This is the warfare that every believer has to learn to fight. Yeah. And it's spiritual warfare. And we learn to fight it by obeying the word of God. And in those wilderness experiences is the time when it's really a test to see if we're going to use the weapons that God's given us to get out of that situation and move forward. Those victories mean a lot to the Lord. Those victories say, I'm ready for the next thing. You know, when, when David said, you know, I, I've killed the lion and the bear and you know, what is this uncircumcised Philistine that's standing in front of me? Yep. Um, personally, I think a lion and a bear would be more scary than the Philistine. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to encounter either one of those things. But it, he, what he was saying was, I've been through some experiences. I've been through experiences out there with the sheep uh, where I, I was attacked. You know, that as a shepherd, shepherds, I saw that in Israel. There's a person and all these sheep and nobody else. Yeah. And so it's not like, you know, you can call up your friend and say, pray for me. It, you, you have to take care of it. And so when he said those things, what he was basically saying is, I've been tested. I've been tested with this. Bears, I've been tested with a lion. This test I can do. And that's why he could defeat the giant when nobody else of all souls' army 
could defeat that giant. In testing comes confidence. In testing comes courage. In testing comes discipline and consistency. And when we're walking in that, then we can take that next level of dominion that God wants us to take. It's so powerful what you just said, Pam, because that testing produces that, that, that it's like, it's like a, a, a strength within us that I've been there, done that, I've, I've came I've through it. I've seen God do it. <clears throat> the $100 tithe check, that I won't go into the details, you've all heard that over and over again, but it's so important to set, settle that issue because it's a test. This is a test. As a matter of fact, God says in Malachi chapter 3, test me, the word prove is in most Bibles, but it really means test. Test me if I'll not open windows of heaven. I remember that $100. It's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do without the $100? June Austin comes in, hands me $100 and says, God told me to give this to you. The day we're going to take you to play tennis at Victory Christian School against one of the girls there that you beat her and she went into shock. Uh, you remember that? It, it, it is really hilarious. He was more excited Pam, about my victory than me. Pam, Pam, Pam I felt I, bad for the girl. Pam and I played a lot of tennis in the very beginning. Yeah, we need okay. to start doing that again. Oh, oh, you, you're, you can do it now because you're working out. You're going through the wilderness experiences on Tuesday night, aren't you? I am. I, yeah, I am. <laughs> and, and, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Pam and I played all the time. She really it became quite good. Uh, but anyway, she had to go work out before the tennis tournament that day and the car's gas tank was empty and I had no money and it was just like I, I was just so frustrated and I didn't know what to do and I didn't even know if I could get there and back with the gas and I remember just thinking to myself it wasn't like I was praying or anything it, it just like oh God I don't know what to do got in the car took you there got out of the car as you went in to warm up and a guy walked across the parking lot and said, Bill, God spoke to me this morning, said I'm supposed to bring him this, handed me $20, and uh, put down $10 in the gas tank or something like that, and we got a sandwich or something. But those types of things, you might think, well, that doesn't sound like abundance to me. I'm telling you what, it opens the door to the real abundance God has. Uh, I thank God for that experience now, those wilderness experiences, because the devil is trying to continually worry us and make us, be, make us become anxious about things. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says that uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of the things that you have need of will be brought to you. And that's what it means. It says it a little bit differently than that. That God will supply them just like the children of the wilderness. He supplied everything they have need of. My God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Philippians 4, 4.19. And that's what He wants us to learn. I will take care of you, Bill. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you, Pam. I'm not your source. You're not my source. God is our source, and God will take care of us. When you get that tenacity in you of faith, you're ready for the next level. When you don't have it in you, God still loves you, but He'll leave you there because he can't promote you where he wants to take you because he knows you'd get hurt in the process. You know, in 1979, when I moved to Tulsa with my kids, um, it was a real test. Uh, first of all, my family didn't think it was uh, the right decision, yeah. but I felt like God told me to do that. And um, so I moved there with my kids, and they were um, second, fourth, and sixth graders and went to work at ORU. It, it was a wonderful experience, but it was a huge test. Yeah. It was a test, though, that solidified in me 
that song that says God will take care of you. And he did take care of me. However, he required a lot of things in me. One was uh, exercise. You know, he, uh, I worked at ORU. The man that I worked for said, because you work here, um, you need to stay on the same aerobic program as all the, all the students. I thought, well, I work here. I mean, I'm not a student. <laughs> but I worked with him, so I began to do my exercise. And you, you had aerobic points. You can't graduate from ORU, or you couldn't back then, unless you completed those aerobic points. And so I began to walk around a track uh, over in a little place called Jinx, which is kind of like a suburb, very close to the university. And in that walk, I ran into a woman, Madeline Manning Mims, who was a gold uh, medalist in the Olympics. And, you know, she she was running that track for exercise. I had met her on an airplane. Second time God puts her in my path. Second time she speaks words of wisdom into me. Now, I believe God wanted me to get the exercise, and I believe he wanted me to meet her. And he wanted that word to get on the inside of me. Everything he did, I didn't want to walk around that track any more than I like to work out now. Thank you, Sarah. You're wonderful. (laughs) Uh, Nothing against you, honey. But it's difficult. You know, I still hurt tonight. I got in my chair fine. But you don't know what I felt when I got up in the chair. So, you know, God, God uses everything. It was a test physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. And I really believe today so many people are missing the abundant life because they do not trust God. You say, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, I believe that if you do not tithe, if you, if, let me restate that. If you believe that tithing is the word of God and you don't tithe, then you do not trust God to the level you're going to have to trust him to see that big supernatural passion fulfilled because that is a natural circumstance that is tempting you, coming against you, and God's saying, this is a test. You want that big amount? You want that big spiritual passion to go forth? Then you're going to have to do this because you will never be able to do that unless you've learned to trust me totally for every single penny you need. And in that place, God really tested me. Now, I had already, uh, I was tithing. I, really, I had a reverence for God, and I didn't know I wasn't saved very long, but I knew that I had to tithe because I didn't have enough income to meet the outgo. So I always tithed. But then, in the middle of that, the Lord spoke to me through the Word of God. I mean, confirmed it Old Testament, New Testament. Give me 20%. I thought, uh, I was hoping for a raise. You know, I wasn't hoping to give more. I was hoping for a raise. But in, in the in the scripture I was reading, and I was reading through the Old and the New Covenant at that time, at the same time, it said, be content with your wages. So I thought, oh. But then when I was reading the Old Covenant, it said, Joseph gave 20%, or Isaac or somebody gave 20% yeah. to, the, to, to Pharaoh, I thought. Well, how am I going to give 20%? The Lord said, say you will do it. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And do you know what happened? I started receiving money from all directions. And the Lord would say to me, tithe on every bit of money you get. And when I tithed, not onto my salary, but every other thing I got, I ended up giving 20% of my salary. I kept track. 
because I'm an accountant person. And I wrote down everything I received from outside, everything I received in my salary. I tithed on everything, and I ended up giving 20% of what I made in my job to the Lord. He said, I can help you do what I ask you to do, but you have to trust me, and you have to do it. Yeah. And that's what I say to you today. Some of you are, are you have a supernatural passion, but you have to be proven not not to God necessarily only, but to yourself. Yeah. Because what I learned in that year was God will take care of me. Yeah. He will take care of me. And I guess that's really why um, financially I don't fear finances. Even for this church, I don't fear finances. Yeah. I mean, we've made decisions in this church that um, put us on the line lots of times. My husband and I both. And, um, and, and our board right with us because we know that God said, if you know God said and you've been obedient, then you know God will do it. And that is freedom. That is freedom. That is, that is what comes out of surviving the wilderness. That's a great word, honey. You know, it, it's like it used to be years ago when TV <clears throat> first came out, they had Conrad alerts. And they go, this is the test. This is the test. This is the test. And, and I believe spiritually God does that all the time because he knows where he wants to take us. I remember when, we, when you said started the church. I remember when we started the church, Sue O'Brien found a place for us, and we didn't have any money. No. And, uh, and I said, and, and she'd already cleared it with the landlord. And in my spirit, all I heard was meet with the landlord. And, and I said, Sue, I want to meet with this man first. And I think she said this. I'm not sure about this, Sue. You can correct me later. But I think she said, well, you, it's not necessary. You know, he's already okay with everything. I said, no, I feel like I'm supposed to meet with him and tell him what kind of church we're going to be. And we met with him, Sam Dyework. Sam, if you're watching, I love you. And uh, he was the president of this yeah. particular bank. So and we met in the lower level then. And so we met with him, and, I, and, and it was like Sue said, oh, no, no problem at all. Yeah, I'm glad you're there and all. And, and, and I thought, well, really wasn't any need to meet with him. And he said, oh, wait, before you leave. And, and he said, I want to bless your church. He wrote a $500 check. He was doing all the money we had. We had a $500 check. I believe that was God proving himself faithful because we had a need and he'll always meet the need if we do what he says. Anything he tells us to do that we don't do, it's a, usually a lack of trust on yeah, our part okay. to do it. And that's why it's so important. When I think about the exposure that we had, uh, so many people out there, but especially to Oral Roberts and, uh, and Pastor Billy Joe. And how Oral Roberts um, uh, was healed of tuberculosis. They told him he was going to die. He went to Enid, Oklahoma eventually, and I know I'm shortening his whole life, and pastored a church and did what God told him to do, but barely made it and almost starved and all. But he stayed with doing what God told him to do, and ultimately he founded a university for God that is still today impacting the world. He's up in heaven. I think of Billy Joe Doherty on an athletic, athletic scholarship uh, over in Arkansas. And God spoke to him one day and said, I want you to, you know, you can have all of this you see right here or you can have what I have for you. That's a test. That's a test. Do you want what you have or do you want what I have for you? And he said, I want what I have for you. Ended up going to Oral Roberts University where he thought God led him. Had to wash the athlete's clothing. That's all he could afford to do to get money. He had money for one semester at Oral Roberts University. In the natural realm, it made no sense to do what he was doing, but he was being tested by God 
I believe, to determine, can I take this man where I want him to go? And not only did he go from washing the athlete's clothing, but he went to the interim president of the university, Oral Roberts University, for a period of time, uh, having a church that is still to this day impacting the world. He's in heaven with his reward now too. And I'm telling you, there is no end to where God will take us, honey, if we will do what he's called us to do and pass the test. I think about Romans 8.28 all the time, things that we've talked about just recently even. And in and, and Romans 8.28, says that all things will work for good that I have. I, I know I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, but all things will work for good for what I have for you to do if you just love me and are called according to my purpose. And that that's what God wants us to do, that this test is going to produce in me the faith that I can go to the next level. And I love God. I want to serve God. Yeah. And I know, I know that he's got a great plan ahead for me. And that's for every single one of you, every single one of us to take us from glory to glory. Yeah, everybody that loves God has a call. Yeah. Uh, even people who don't love God have a call. God created everybody with a destiny and a purpose. Yep. It says it in Psalm 139 yep. that I know the days that I have planned for you that they're already fashioned they're already written they're already uh decided the things that i've prepared for you and so the things that god prepares just like with jesus uh, he he volunteered from heaven i mean he was there in genesis when god said let's make them uh, let's create them in our image uh, he, jesus was there but in the new covenant he had to he had to come in the flesh God in the flesh, Jesus was that person that came. And so that destiny that he had was death, but it was more than death. Yes. It was defeating the devil and resurrection. A lot of people still have Jesus on a cross. Jesus isn't on a cross. Jesus went to hell. You read it in the word of God. And he defeated powers and principalities. He disarmed them. He made a public spectacle of them, it says in Colossians. <clears throat> so Jesus isn't on a cross. And he isn't down there defeating the devil. He's already done both of them. He's already won the victory over the cross, the victory over the enemy. And he is resurrected. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And we are seated in heavenly places with him. That is victory. That is why we quote all the time 1 Corinthians uh, 57 that says, we are steadfast. Th now, thanks be to God who gives us the victory, it says in 57. 58 says, I stand steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is not in vain. Why? Not because of me, because of what Jesus did at Calvary. So it's already decided. You are victorious. You have a, you have a destiny. So you have a passion. You have something in you. And that passion will take you through wildernesses, situations where you grow, where I grow, where we all grow in those places. But we grow to take possession of the promises of God. That's a great word, honey, <clears throat> the way you summed it all up. And we need to pray for the people now. But, you know, I, I think about how we really have to embrace the wilderness experiences and people that we've known over the years, good people, that especially a lot of the students out there in VBI at one time, but but they, they would they would go to a certain level and then they would just want to take care of it themselves 
because they're comfortable where they are, or maybe not totally comfortable, but they're okay, and but not taking it to the next level. In sports, you hear it a lot, you know, it's time to take it to the next level. Uh, that normally means you have to train more, you have to sacrifice more, you have to do more, and that uh, God wants us to take it to the next level. And uh, you're going to have to embrace the wilderness, not shy away from it. Uh, God will love you if you just want to live your life the way you're living it the rest of your life. He loves you because of who you are. He created you. But if you want to fulfill your destiny that God has for you, you've got to take it up to that next level. And you've got to take a chance to move into the wilderness so that God will take you and show you what he wants you to do to develop your faith so that you're ready where he's going to take you. And uh, we need to pray for the people now, honey, because th there's a fascinating life ahead for all of us. Um, when I think back to where we were, to where we are today, to where God's going to take us, uh, our life has been a miracle. But God is no respecter of persons. He wants to do the same thing for each and every one of you watching here tonight. So why don't you go ahead and sum it all up and pray for the people, honey, because uh, life is exciting. And when we look back over the past of all we've been through, and it's like, I thank God for the wilderness experiences. Yeah, you know, we're, when we say wilderness experiences, that you have to uh, embrace them. You don't embrace the disease you don't no. you don't uh, embrace the things that the enemy brings you embrace the fact that god in this time is going to put something in me yep. that will affect my future yep. in a great way positively yeah and i think a lot of people in this particular situation that we've been in uh we didn't choose to go to this wilderness this wilderness came and we were in it yep. um but in it I really felt even way back when we were coming into it that God was going to use this for his glory because yeah. we go to glory to glory, not the sickness, mm -hmm. but what would come out on the other side. And so I believe that those that have been listening, those that have been seeking the Lord in this time, uh, God's been speaking to people. I've talked to people that God's been speaking to. And in this situation, we we make the choice. Are we going... <coughs> <clears throat> from glory right. to glory, yeah. are we going to start looking at all the circumstances like the children of Israel did, yeah. things that would hinder? Nothing can hinder you from your future That's with right. God. He said, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil. Yeah. If you read that whole chapter in Jeremiah 29, you'll find yeah. that God was speaking to the children of Israel after saying to them, stay where I've put you until I deliver you. Yeah. And so I want to pray for you tonight. Father, I thank you that many, uh, many of us right now have been in a, in a form of wilderness, uh, not because of our choice, but because of cir circumstances, situations. Mm -hmm. But Lord, that doesn't affect mm -hmm. us in our supernatural uh, destiny, our supernatural passion, the things that you've put before us. But while we're here and in this situation, this situation can be used for every one of us. And I pray that all of the people, especially Victory Christian Center, but anybody who's listening, because I don't know all of you uh, that maybe are listening tonight, God does have a future and a hope for you. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a destiny. Yes. And in that, there's a passion 
that will take you to the other side of whatever the wilderness is for you. It may be financial right now in your life. It may be a sickness or something that's come against your body trying to hold you back, saying, you know, this is just what, uh, especially medically, somebody said, you're going to take this pill for the rest of your life. Well, you know, that, that pill will not stop your destiny. It's what you believe in your heart that stops your destiny. Yes. And I pray tonight that, that any wilderness experience that anybody is in right now or any that wilderness experience that, that we may be uh, experiencing in the future, we will stop and ask God in this situation, how can I prove to myself and see you be the one who is my deliverer, who is my hope, who is my future, who who is uh, leading me and directing me and guiding me to the next step, that I'm not looking at circumstances. I'm looking at you, Lord, and what is it that this is supposed to do in me to release me to go forward? Lord, I thank you that we have the example of Jesus and being in that wilderness. And it says as soon as that wilderness was over, he entered in to the things that you had for him. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He went into a wilderness and he came out and his miracle ministry began. You recorded in your gospels. Lord, let us do that. Every time we have a situation where we are challenged by the enemy, where we are tempted or we are tested, that we come out the other side. All those that are here tonight on online or those that, that will watch this online later, that we are going through this thing And we are going to learn everything we have to learn so that we are ready for what God wants to do. We thank you, Father, that you are the helper. You are the one that our confidence and our trust is in. We exalt your name and we thank you that you loved us so much that you made a way for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to speak Psalms 91 over you in just a moment here. But before we do... I want to take you back to a scripture that I used earlier, Matthew 6, 33. Always seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of the things you have need of will be given and brought forth to you. If you ever study Matthew chapter 6, it's all about worry. It's talking about don't worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you. And two issues that you can settle once and for all in your wilderness experiences are these. It's scriptures that I use constantly in my mind, in my spirit. I share them a lot in the church. But it's Philippians 4.13 and Philippians 4.19 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That takes care of everything. My God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. That takes care of everything. Now you're ready to move through the wilderness and come out of there stronger than you ever went in. Don't ever worry about anything because worry is a distraction from the Word of God. Anything that distracts you from the Word of God is going to take you deeper and deeper into the wilderness because God doesn't want you ever to be distracted or worried about anything. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. So let's all speak it forth here in Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him shall I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. He shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. 
A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show my salvation. And Psalms thirty-seven, thirty-nine: the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked one and save them because they trust in him. We love you. We appreciate you. 10 o'clock Sunday, come on live to our church. Call, make a reservation. And Sunday night, 6 o'clock, Pentecost Sunday, call and make a reservation. We're going to have a great time. That's May 31st, not this Sunday. Oh, is that? that's right. I was doing so good. We love you. <laughs> have a great night. <laughs>